What do you mean? I mean, why do we have a winner? I mean, if we just wanted to intimidate the districts, why not round up 24 of them at random and execute them all at once? Be a lot faster. Hope. 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 It is the only thing stronger than fear. Hope is the only thing stronger than fear. So here's what we're going to be unpacking this morning. We're going to be trying to answer this question. To think about our own lives, does fear control our life or are you driven by hope? Are you driven by hope? And the Apostle Paul, he says this in Romans, he says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through, the endur- so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. That means everything we read in the Bible, everything in that book is meant to give us hope. Because it seems like everything else around us is trying to steal that hope. So today we're going to look at a story from that book, from the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. Um, You may be familiar with the story. I'm sure if you've grown up in church, you probably have heard that story many times. And we're going to try to look at it today with some fresh eyes, and we're going to learn that there's actually three twists to the story. And here's why we need to look at the story, because when we understand the story of David and Goliath and thinking about giants, it's true there are actually giants in our lives. Right? We deal with giants, and they are standing there in our lives there to intimidate us and to try and put fear into us. And maybe some of us are dealing with a giant that's standing directly in between you and the hope God is trying to bring you to. And maybe there's a giant that you've been dealing with, and it's been years now, and you're still struggling with the same giant in your life. And all of our giants are going to be different. Some of us are dealing with giants of fear. Maybe it's a giant of anxiety or a giant of depression, a giant of addiction, a giant of worry, a giant of comfort and selfishness, a uh, a giant of greed, a giant of lust, a giant of anger. Could be a giant of just a struggle, a giant of joblessness, a giant of hopelessness, a giant of you fill in the blank for your struggle. And we look at these giants and they can paralyze us with fear when we look at them and we go, man, I can't do this. I cannot move past this giant. So if that's how you're feeling this morning, I want to encourage you. I really believe Jesus has a message for you this morning. So allow me to pray and we'll we'll jump into this. Father, this is is such an important message for us. Lord, there are giants in our land. There are giants that are trying to instill fear in us, Jesus, and you are going, they have no right to do that. So Lord, I pray that you can speak through me. I pray these aren't just words that I'm saying. I pray these aren't just words that we're hearing, but myself included, Lord, allow these words to find their way into our hearts this morning. Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's jump into the story of David and Goliath. We find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and the story goes where the Philistines are coming to, uh, the Philistine army is coming to march against the armies of Israel. Um, Israel was God's people to kind of understand who the Philistines were for the people of God. 
If you've ever had a really a pestering problem in your life or a pestering person in your life that just wouldn't go away, that was the Philistines for God's people. They were just always showing up and always a problem and always annoying. So at this point in the story, they had both shown up and they were both set up their camps to go to war to, with each other. Here's what it says in verse 3. Um, it says, The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites another, and there was a valley in between them. Okay, you guys got the visual? So, one, so Israelites got the Philistines, valley in between. Here comes Goliath. Now, a champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistines' camp. And it goes on to basically talk about how much just basically a beast of a man this guy Goliath was. First of all, he stood nine feet, nine inches. So he was like a real giant. I'm six feet four. Nine feet, nine inches is a pretty big man. I often like to think if he wasn't this ruthless killer, he probably would have made a pretty good career in the NBA. Just saying. He would have done really well. But he was, he was a beast. He was intimidating. He was scary. He comes down into the valley, looks at the Israelites, and he just starts talking all kinds of mess. Here's what he says. He says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you are not servants of Saul? Saul was the king over Israel, the appointed king by God. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, read this with me, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So here we have, we have a giant has shown up to the people of God. He is big, he is ruthless, he is intimidating, and he has instilled fear in all of them. And all of them, when they look at this giant, they look at him and go, man, I can't do this. That is until a little shepherd boy shows up on the scene. And David shows up on the scene, and like I said, he's just a boy at this point in the story. He, he, um, he was the youngest of all of his brothers. His brothers are all out with King Saul getting ready to fight this battle. He stayed home because he was the youngest, so he tended his father's sheep. Um, that's, what a shepherd, you know, that's why he was a shepherd boy. And at one point in the story, David's father um, tells David, he goes, Hey, David, I want you to go bring some food down to your brothers. I want you to kind of check in on them, make sure they're doing okay, make sure they're still alive. And I want you to come and report back to me and tell me kind of how that whole battle is going. David goes, Okay. So he takes the food and he goes down to the Israelite camp. Now, when David gets down there, he sees Goliath standing there. He sees him. He's, Goliath is disrespecting them. He's talking mess about their God. He's intimidating all them. He sees how much in fear they all are. And David, being just a boy, comes around all these grown men, the men of the Israelites, and he looks at them, and he basically says, man, y'all are a bunch of sissies. He's like, don't you know we have God on our side? Why is anyone scared? Go with God and take down this Philistine. And yet, it doesn't happen. They're all still terrified. I'm not going to fight him. I can't do it. So David eventually talks to King Saul, and he says this. He says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. He says, your servant will go and fight him. Now, if you're familiar, if you grew up in church, um, you know how this story goes. Um, David, he eventually goes and he grabs five stones and just a sling. Those are his weapons to go and fight this beast of a man, Goliath. 
So he goes down there to the valley with everyone watching. And I love what David says to Goliath before he takes him down. Because he basically goes full savage swag mode on him. And he says, hey, this is how I'm going to kill you before I do it. This little kid. Here's what it says. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistines army to the birds. I'm going to ignore that part. (laughs) And the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And you know how the story goes. David grabs his sling. With one stone, throws it, bop, hits Goliath on the forehead. He falls, and David walks over, grabs his own sword, grabs Goliath's sword, cuts off his head, holds it up to the Philistine army, and the Philistine army flees, and they run terrified in defeat. Right? Hoorah! Go, David. So here's the thing. Three, there's three takeaways from this story for us today. And if you know who Louis Giglio is, you might have heard of him. He has this amazing study called Goliath Must Fall. I highly recommend it if you ever want to look into it and kind of take what we're talking about today and go a little bit deeper. Um, But I recently heard a message he gave, and I got really, really inspired to want to just share it with you guys today. And so what we're going to be seeing from the story is there are actually three twists to the story that is going to be hugely impactful for us to understand how we can face our giants. So here's the first twist. Let's jump into this. Here's the first twist. From the story of David and Goliath, we are not David. Jesus is. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, in the story, we know every story in the Bible is there for a reason. That's why we read it. We kind of read a story. We go, okay, what does this mean for me? It's here for a reason to kind of tell some truth about God, to know how I can grow in my faith, to to know I can grow with God on my side. So we often try to figure out, okay, how does the story relate to me? And it's very reasonable to read the story and go, I am David. I need to pick up my stones. I need to try a little bit harder with God on my side. I can defeat any giant that's in front of me. Hoorah, right? And we get fired up, which is good. But really, that, that's not the message of the gospel, right? Where we're at today with the New Testament, we understand that there are 66 books in the Bible, yet they tell one story. And that one story has a name, Jesus. So if that's true, then Jesus must be throughout the Bible, That means Jesus must be represented in Genesis. Jesus must be in Exodus. Jesus must be here in 1 Samuel. He must even be here in the story. So who's representing Jesus in this story? It's not the fearful Israelites. It's not even King Saul. It's definitely not Goliath. It only makes sense here that Jesus must be David. And I don't know about you, but nowhere, nowhere in the presentation of the gospel do I read that we have to try harder on our own, be stronger, be better, so that we can defeat sin. See, the whole good news of the gospel is that Jesus stepped down and did what only Jesus could do by defeating sin and death for us. You see, it is Jesus, that is the gospel, it is Jesus is who is our giant slayer. It is Jesus who holds the victory for us. Here's what Jesus says himself. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. We are going to face giants. Jesus is going, there's going to be giants. But he says, take heart. 
I have overcome the world. See, in our battles, it is not us fighting our battles, but it is the power of Christ that is in us. Jesus is the one who is our giant slayer, and he has already won the battle. We just now get to follow him into the victory he's laid before us. I love the way Paul says it. Paul says this very same thing. He says, but thanks be to God that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us that in Corinthians. That is the good news of the gospel. God doesn't look at us and say, hey, you need to buck up. You need to try harder. You need to be stronger so you can go defeat sin. He says, no, I have defeated sin. I have stepped down. And because of what I've done on the cross through my sacrifice and the victory I had in my resurrection, you now get to walk in the victory I've laid before you. And we're going to circle back to this in a minute, but I want us to understand this point just right here. That we are not David, Jesus is. He is the one who is our giant slayer. So here's the second twist. Is that your giant is already defeated, but he's still talking. Right? And we know that obviously dealing with sin, dealing with the devil, is still a problem for us. But Jesus, he doesn't need to go back to the cross. He doesn't need to take try again, take two, let's hope it works this time, let me try again. No, he already won. He has the victory. He does not need to go back to the cross. Sin and death has been defeated once and for all. It's final. The victory is in Christ. What that means is that sin and death, it's lost all of its power. There's nothing that can stop us from being connected to our Heavenly Father. Sin and death, what it used to do to separate us from God, has now been eliminated with Jesus standing there in the middle. What that means is the only power the enemy has, the only thing he can do now is talk and try to get in our heads and try to make us think the victory is not ours when it really is. And to help us kind of understand this a little bit of what this looks like, of what this means, um, roll with me here because this is a great way to help me understand it. I love basketball. I'm a huge NBA fan. And because of that, I'm watching the NBA playoffs right now. And if you aren't watching basketball, if you haven't been keeping up, um, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers just had an epic duel in the first round of the playoffs. Um, with both point guards, uh, Damian Lillard playing for the Trailblazers, Russell Westbrook playing for the Thunder, both of them going hard head-to-head in this first round series. Both of them, a lot of trash talk happening. Okay, but specifically, a lot of major smack talk coming from Westbrook and the Thunder trying to get in Damian Lillard's head, hoping that they could mess him up mentally to try and take him out physically in the game. When the last seconds of the last game, Damian Lillard does this like cool little step back at the buzzer, hits a major three-pointer from nearly half court, um, hitting the shot at the buzzer, winning the game and winning the series, sending the Oklahoma City Thunder home in defeat. So for us to understand what it means that the devil is defeated, but he's still talking, is kind of like this. It'd be if Westbrook um, is still on the court. Okay, He just lost. Demiller's uh, won. Westbrook is defeated. But while he's still on the court, he keeps talking trash. And he keeps talking trash to Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard, instead of just knowing, I have won, I have defeated them, bye, bye, Felicia, go home, I am the winner, I'm going to walk off in victory, instead he puts his focus on Westbrook. And he listens to the trash talk that's being said to him. And he starts believing the words, these hurtful words that Westbrook is saying. And he starts believing them and gets frustrated. And he feels defeated in the moment, not knowing that the victory is really his. See, that is what it's like. The enemy is defeated. He's lost all of his power. All he can do now is talk. 
The victory is with Jesus. You know, and I love, um, uh, I love what David said to Saul right before he took down Goliath. He said this, he said, uh, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Let no one lose heart on account of this giant. And I think Jesus is trying to tell us that very same thing this morning. He's telling us, you don't need to listen to the lies of your giant any longer. I have the victory. Your giant cannot tell you how to think about yourself. Your giant cannot tell you how to believe about yourself. Your giant does not hold your future. It does not tell you what blessings are coming your way. I am the one that have the victory. I am the one that tells you who you are. And I tell you that you are loved, that you are chosen. I am the one that holds your future. Your giant has been defeated. Amen to that. So Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, here's what he tells us. Here's what it comes down to. He says, be self-controlled and alert. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And here's what he says. He says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. So here, here's the third, the third twist to the story is to understand this, that your victory is God's glory. Your victory is God's glory. And um, David, right before he went out to defeat Goliath, he said this again. I want us to look at this. He said, he said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down. And then he says this line that I think is so awesome again. He says, then all that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You know, Jesus, he doesn't defeat our giants so that we could get the praise for it. He defeats our giants for the glory of God. And here's an example of what I, what I mean by this, by how it's happened in my life, how Jesus has taken down a huge giant in my life. Um, some of you guys have heard my story. If you haven't heard my story of how Jesus literally saved my life, I'm going to tell it again because I think we all have a story. We, are the, we bear the witness of what Jesus can do in our life. That's why we, you have a story to share, and it's powerful, and it's the testimony to God that God gets the glory through it. And in my life, when I was a teenager, my life went very fast to a very um, dark place. Um, long story short, when I was in high school, I started just you know, getting into drink, drinking and partying and drug use. And by the time I was 18, 19 years old, it had escalated far beyond just you know, high school parties and marijuana and alcohol. It had went much further than that, much darker, to a much uh, darker place full of just all kinds of problems and addictions and life-threatening. It was, it was a really bad place. And it's a story for another time of exactly the process of how Jesus brought me out of that dark place. But for me, when I finally came to the place of experiencing the love of God in my life, when I, not to, when I just not knew about it, but I got to actually experience the transformation of what it feels like to be known by your Heavenly Father, I was like, wow, this is what I was searching for the whole time. This is what everyone needs to know about. And as I continue to pursue Jesus, he continued to change me, that dark place that he took me out of. It is only a testimony to the power of God and the power I could have in someone's life to change someone. That's what I mean. Your victory is God's glory. And I know this is serious, but here's another example just to kind of put this in your mind. A terrible thing that could happen. I'm, I'm just trying to think of like one of the hardest things to handle right now. Let's say you lose a loved one. Right? A terrible, terrible circumstance. A thing that looks totally hopeless in the world's eyes. That's hard to deal with. 
understandably. But you have put your faith in Jesus. You've put your faith in the hope of Jesus. And even in such a time of grief, you walk through that grief still with a certain supernatural peace to you and a supernatural hope to you that when people look at you, they're going, you're not handling this like everyone else. There's something different about you. Or maybe, again, something else that sounds terrible, that looks totally hopeless. Let's say you lose your job unexpectedly. That looks like there's no immediate hope in that situation. But you walk with a certain confidence to you, a certain peace to you, because you know my, my Heavenly Father is a good Heavenly Father. And if He's a good Heavenly Father, He will provide for me. And you walk with a peace to you, and people go, man, there's, not, there's something different about you. That's, that's not normal. And as these giants begin to fall in your life, it is going to be so evident to the people around you that there is a power that is with you, there is a power that is working through you, and there is a power that is fighting your battles for you. And what are you going to say? His name is Jesus. So let's wrap this up. All right, let's refocus kind of what are we saying here. Right? How, How do we take down our giants? We shift our focus to Jesus, and we walk in his victory. We shift our focus to Jesus, and we we understand that he has already defeated our giants. And I understand right now, if you're you're anything like me, um, oftentimes I would always hear a message like this. I would hear the preacher or a message say, like, stop trying so hard and just let Jesus win. And I would be so confused, like, what does that even mean? How do you just stop trying? That sounds amazing. I wish you could take away all my problems, but that's not happening. I'm like, how do you just let Jesus win? That doesn't even make any sense. And as I continue to pursue following Jesus, and I was facing giant after giant in my life, I began to finally learn something. That as I began to pursue Jesus with everything I had and everything I did, whether that was when I was in college and my roommates uh, would start drinking and I literally had to get out of that, that, that situation and just go to a quiet place to spend some time with Jesus, whether that was just making it a priority every single day to spend time with Jesus, whether that's in his word, whether it's just talking with him, whether that's just being with him, but making it apparent to pursue him. As I continued to do that, there began to be a transformation that began to happen inside of me that I had never felt before. And I began to start realizing my mind and my heart began to change. And I began to, these old habits that I used to turn to so easily began not to be what I wanted to turn to. And I really honestly began to have a passion for Jesus like I never had before. You see, I want you to understand that is what it means to let Jesus fight your battles. When you run from what is causing you fear, when you run from what is causing you worry, when you run from what is tempting you to and run to Jesus, Jesus is going to do what only he can do and he will transform you from the inside out. And you will be able to walk past every single giant that he has laid out before you. And I want to just say this really quick too because... um, I want to make this really apparent. If you are, I mean, there are some real giants. I'm sure maybe some of us are struggling with real giants of addiction, real giants of serious anxiety or depression or just anything else serious like that. I want to make it very clear. This isn't a message against doctors. This isn't a message against medication. This definitely is not a message against reaching out and getting help and bringing other people in. That is all ways that Jesus will work in our lives. I'm simply just presenting to you today the foundation of all of this. This is the foundation of our healing. Without this, without Jesus at the foundation, there's no transformation. Right? Jesus is the foundation of your transformation. 
That is what I'm presenting to you today. It is Jesus who is at the center of all of this for us. He is the one who is our giant slayer. So I'm just saying pursue Jesus with everything you have. Right? Make it a priority. Make it a priority to have those first 15 minutes of your day with him. Right? Make it a priority to fill your day with worship. Make it a priority maybe to write down your prayers. Maybe you need to spend some more time filling your mind up with his word. Maybe you need to just spend more time with him. If you're feeling like you're struggling, just go, hey, I need to run a little bit harder to Jesus. I'm already praying. I already spent time with him. Well, I think I need a little bit more of him then. Because it is Jesus is the one who transforms us from the inside out. He is the one who is fighting our battles for us. And he has already won. That is where we draw hope from. And here's what we've been saying kind of this whole series. It's a quote from Ray Johnson. He says, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. So here's the point. Jesus has already defeated your giant. Believe that. Jesus has already defeated your giant. We need to follow Jesus into that hope because you guys, hope is so much stronger than fear. To imagine your life walking out of here, imagine the future of your life knowing that you are driven by hope and no longer driven by fear. The enemy can try to say whatever lies he wants to you and you can wave bye to him and walk off in victory knowing he's already defeated. You can know that in every situation, wherever you bring Jesus to that situation, there is always hope. Let hope rise. Let me pray. Father man Father this is, this is something that is so so unbelievable Lord that we get to celebrate in this victory Lord it's all to you Jesus you are our superhero you are our giant slayer you are um, everything to us Jesus Lord let us stop looking at our giants and let us see how big you are God that our giant is on the floor and we don't need to listen to him anymore. Lord, let us draw hope that only comes from you. And whatever we're struggling with as we walk out of this room today, Father, give us your power. Give us your peace. Give us your strength. Give us direction. And Lord, we trust you. We praise you for this, Lord. And let us go out and be the hope that this world needs. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Oh,